O'Neill, thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 211 of the Ron and Don Show. This show is dropping on January 20th, 2021. Now, this is a very important date to all of us, and it's also a very important date to me personally, and I'm going to share why in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, I want to say... What's going on to the Ron and Don Nation? What's going on, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hey, don't forget, we want to thank Les Schwab for doing a great job for sponsoring the Ron and Don Show. We're live for the Les Schwab Studios. And of course, Ron and I, uh, we do this show for free for you. But in order to pay the bills, we do something that we absolutely love to do. We're real estate investors, but we're also real estate brokers, right? Yeah, if you are thinking about, hey, this is my year, or even a friend or family member, son or daughter, a niece or nephew that they are looking to buy or sell this year, email me, ron at windermere.com. We have a seller's playbook, a buyer's playbook. I'll send that out to you free of charge. You can also sign up for our newsletter. we got a lot of great content that we just give away for free that's going to add value to your life. Go to ronandonsitdown.com, sign up for that newsletter. That comes out every Wednesday. Yeah. Hey, coming up with the Ron and Don Show, it is moving day at the White House. We're going to talk about that. Also, January 20th, I made a big decision in my life 30 years ago, uh, three years ago, not 30 years ago. I should have done it 30 years ago, uh, but three years ago. I'm going to talk about that. Before we talk about that, though, uh, let's talk about this. This show is dropping on Inauguration Day. It's a very different Inauguration Day. You have a current sitting president. It said, uh, I wasn't invited to the inauguration, so he's not going. <laughs> uh, but, but sitting presidents are never invited to the inauguration. Uh, it's not part of the pomp and circumstance. Uh, but typically what happens, and we saw this, and you could just see Michelle Obama cringing, but she did it with the Trumps four years ago when they come to the White House and then they ride in a motorcade after they spend some time having tea uh, and typically the first lady will show the new first lady kind of around the white house. And I think the Bidens have probably been in the white house before. So I don't know if they actually, need I, think, yeah, I think they know where the bathroom. Yeah, I don't know if they need someone to show them around. So this year will be different. Uh, a lot of this is going to be done on camera because of COVID. And then we also know, we think the president, we don't know if he'll be in Washington. Some people think he may leave, uh, the day before and head down to Florida. And when we're recording this, uh, we just don't know. What are your thoughts on on this inauguration? And what's kind of interesting is, is you have President Joe Biden who wants to be a healer, doesn't want to divide us. But if we're in the middle of an impeachment process, which even seems some of the Republicans want, some people are afraid that that's going to be a divider and you can't get the first 100 days done, especially when it comes to the vaccines all around America. What's your take on that? Do you, do you think there can be justice? If you think there needs to be justice, as far as impeachment goes, for President Trump, and do you think that President Joe Biden can get the job done? And I think we're all very concerned about the economy, and we're concerned about COVID moving ahead here in the next 100 days. Right? All right, so that's a huge grab bag, a lot of different topics. So the first we're going to jump on is what you call pomp and circumstance. 
When I was a much younger person, I thought that ceremonies and institutions had very little value. And so you would, you know, the famous ones, you go, well, I don't need to get married if I'm with someone like the institution of marriage or even things like a, you know, a baptism at a church or uh, an inauguration, something like that. It was easy to poo-poo those as sort of meaningless things and, and make fun of them. And, but, but I do think there is significance now. Going through a public ceremony is meaningful and it is, it has value. And, you know, again, like I, I got married and then I'm divorced now, but something happens when you stand up in front of people and you go through a ceremony and they're there in attendance and you say something or you make a vow or you make a promise or you put your hand on Abraham Lincoln's Bible and you swear an oath to follow the Constitution. Those things, there's a, it's a public, what's the word, a declaration. The, and it has some sort of currency, I believe, just as a human being. When you actually go do the thing, it's better than just describing the thing or doing a zoom call of the thing. So I've heard people go, why do just cancel it? If there's the threat of violence, just shut it all down and don't do it. Well, we're kind of robbing the country and robbing Joe Biden of the opportunity to do this and to maybe connect with some people that haven't been radicalized yet, that haven't been, that aren't so far gone that there's just no possible chance that they could connect to Joe Biden. Maybe there are some people that are pissed off that don't understand all the stuff that's happened right now or think that they do. And they'll see this inauguration and go, you know what? I, I respect the office of the presidency. I didn't vote for this guy. And I don't agree with some of the stuff or a lot of the stuff that he says, but I'm going to give him a chance. Mm -hmm. He seems like a decent guy. That speech that he gave or this ceremony that he gave, he did put his hand on the Bible and make an oath to, to defend the Constitution. I can believe in that. I, I can get on board with with a president that is going to defend the Constitution. And so there, I think there are some people that are going to go through that. So I, I think that it is important. Topic number two on impeaching the president, the current president, um, I, I think we should go forward on that. For the biggest reason for me is, is a couple fold. One is that if he is impeached and convicted from the Senate, that he can no longer hold office ever in his lifetime. I think that's important. It takes away 2024 off the table. Um, and it just, it's not something he can't even get into the primaries and run for dog catcher of his county in Florida. So I think that's valuable. Two, it removes uh, him getting a pension for the rest of his life from the American taxpayer. I don't think this president deserves that pension and the Secret Service detail that goes along with it and travel expenses up to a million dollars a year. I, I don't think. He deserves that with, with the activities that we've seen in the, this, this month. So for those reasons, I think, yeah, continue to do that. And then the ancillary benefit is to force people to vote. So then you can go forward in two years or four years. And if you find it important, you can get an ad from the Lincoln Project that said, hey, person in Missouri or Washington or wherever, your congressperson voted this way. And then that, I think that has some yeah. political capital. You, you know who wants him impeached, and they're not a part of the impeachment? One is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is so damn mad. He has not talked to the president since December 14th. And the president keeps calling him, and he will not return his call. Uh, and Mitch McConnell would love to see the president in, impeached. 
for a number of different reasons. But what Mitch McConnell doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to be a part of impeaching the president because in doing so, he doesn't want to go on the record. And be he's going to he, he's going to lose a lot of Republican voters in his own district because President Trump did have over seventy five million people that voted for him. Some people voted the ticket, but they voted for Trump. Uh, I read a Gallup survey the other day of eight hundred people that had voted for President Trump. Would you vote for President Trump again? Ninety one percent of them said that they would That's vote for him again. Astonishing to me. That is astonishing, and this is after 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 we've seen these riots. So. Mitch McConnell wants that to happen, but at the same time, he wants to get reelected. And at the same time, I think Joe Biden is a four-year president. I think a Republican president has another great shot four years from now. And Mitch McConnell said, hey, we didn't get any big pieces of legislation done uh, when President Trump was here. He didn't work. Uh, He basically played a lot of golf and wrote a lot of executive orders. He watched a lot of Fox News and he did a lot of tweeting. I wonder what he does now that he can't tweet. The other guy that wants to see him impeached is Mike Pence. And the reason why, and Mike Pence could have done this, the reason why he didn't do it and try to impeach the president uh, and kick him out and get him fired and say, hey, you're fired, is because Mike Pence knows to be president in four years, he needs those Trumpers. He needs them. So he's damn mad. He's in a position right now of influence. And we've never seen a vice president before be in this kind of position of influence. We're like, wow, we thought the vice presidency was just some pomp and circumstance, but that's a real position of power here, right? And so when he runs in four years, he's going to run as the guy who stood up and he's, he, 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 in four years, if, if, if President Trump is gone and Pence doesn't have to run against Trump, he becomes the front runner. So the Democrats could do Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence a big favor by firing President Trump. Because what they'll do is they'll delay the Senate hearing, right? They'll impeach him. They'll let Joe Biden do his 100 days. Then they'll pick up the hearing. And McConnell's even said this. He said, hey, they'll, they'll pick it up and they'll impeach him in the Senate. And now that the Democrats have the ability to impeach him in the Senate, because... We still need six six or seven people. But they might get six or seven people. They might get that. It might that. be 17. I think you need 17 yeah. Is people. Is that right? They yeah. might get that depending upon the way that the country feels about Joe Biden after the inauguration in those first 100 days. And then do they pivot back to the Senate? Do you think it's important votes? to do the ceremony like I was talking about with the, you know, having it on the steps, having the chief justice come out with the Bible and all the people in the gallery? I think it is. What's really important to me, though, right now is having some sense of what we're going to do nationally about COVID-19. I miss my mom. I haven't seen her in over a year. It's time to see her. It's time to hug her. It's time to be with her. She wants the vaccine. She's alone in a big house in the middle of New Mexico, isolated and completely by herself. Uh, I'm certainly more concerned about that than the pomp and circumstance of an inauguration. I do think that if there is the possibility of people being killed and murdered, that there's a way to do this in inauguration where that doesn't happen. So they asked Joe Biden if he's concerned about doing the inauguration outside. Uh, he says he's not. And so that's really, that's his call. And that's a Secret Service's call. I, th- I think what we have seen over the past couple of days, initially they said 5,000 National Guard at the Capitol. Then it was like 7,000 National Guard at the Capitol. Then it was 10,000 National Guard at the Capitol. Then it was 15,000 National Guard at the Capitol. Today, 
20,000 National Guard, the Capitol. And I will tell you this. There will be police officers there that will be deputized by the thousands, and there always is during inaugurations, from all 50 states. There'll be cops there from all 50 states. Hopefully, they won't open the doors and allow people into the Capitol in order to maim and hurt legislatures and also to not maim and hurt the new president of the United States. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side. Life comes at you fast. If it's time to downsize, upsize, or right-size your home, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Kim Webb. Hi, I'm Kendall Webb. I'm actually from Colorado. We had always hoped that someday we would be able to move here. And when COVID hit, he was able to request to work remotely permanently. We found a house that we absolutely fell in love with. And so what that created was a situation where, shoot, we're not prepared to sell the house in Duval, but we could have to do that quick. We did the Ron and Don sit down. Ron stepped right in, sent us all the comp information. Don sent us a list of all the things that we needed to begin to consider. Don, he was all over my property. Uh, helping me uh, get the the landscaping pulled together, um, making sure that it was going to show well. We ended up placing it on the market where we felt we would be happy uh, if we got that number. And as it turned out on offer review day, we had five offers that were well over our expectations. We were absolutely ecstatic. The sale price was 55K over ask. And that just blew us away. They negotiated the absolute best price we could have gotten for that home. We are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Sign up for the nation news at ronanddonradio.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. If you hear some hammering in the back, that's because I got a day-due, a detached accessory dwelling unit. That is my friend Ricardo right now, building that as we speak. So in the city of Seattle, a number of years ago, you could build a house, and then you could build an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit, which would be like a mother-in-law apartment attached to the house. But if you built a day-due, a detached, so think of having an apartment attached to the house and one detached out in the backyard by the garage. You couldn't rent, you couldn't legally rent both those out. You could only rent one of those out. And if you're gonna rent one out, you had to provide a parking space on your property, which is really hard in the city of Seattle, you guys, because some of these lots are only 3,500 square feet, right? So anyway, what the city said uh, about a year and a half ago is if you're on an SF 5,000 lot, a 5,000 square foot lot, at least, What you're gonna be able to do is if you build a house or if you have a house, you can have an ADU, a day due, and you don't have to provide parking for any of those. And they also say that you can have more lot coverage because it's limited as far as lot coverage goes in the city of Seattle, how big of a house you can build. One has to do with the views, but a lot of it has to do with water retention. So I don't wanna get in the weeds on that, but if you're interested, this this is what I try to do with all my properties. If I buy a door, I ask myself, how can I create three doors? And how can two of those doors pay for the third door? So for instance, in the house that I'm in right now, two of those doors, one will be a long-term rental, one will be a short-term rental, and then 
The one that's a short-term rental, that'll also be a home for my mom to come and stay when she comes to visit because we miss her so much for five or six months at a time is what I'm hoping. But at least in a day do, her and I don't have to be in the same kitchen. She'll have her own kitchen. Her and I don't go have- to your room, Donald. <laughs> God, Mom, I'm in yeah. my room. You go to your room. Yeah. So anyway, there's a strategy. If you can get the first and the second door to pay for the third door, that's called house hacking. And that's how you live for free. Ron and I have a lot of strategies about buying property, especially in the city of Seattle and the outlining areas. And when it comes to ADUs and day dues. I know how to do that because I've built a number of those and I'm building one as we speak in the back. Yeah, email me, ron at windermere.com. I'll send you our buyer's playbook, our seller's playbook, and we can do a Ron and Don sit down. So yeah, yeah good job on the on the day do. Yeah, thanks. Hey, it's January 20th when, the, when this show dropped. Uh, and January 20th is kind of an emotional day for me. And it used to be a sad day for me. And, and now it, it's, I, I don't feel sad today. Of course, this is the inauguration and we talked about this. But this is also a day uh, where three years ago I had some decisions to make because I wasn't becoming the father that I wanted to become. I thought I was a good dad, but not a great dad. And I thought that there were things holding me back. I thought there were things holding me back in my broadcast career. There were things that were holding me back in my personal relationships. And I had made a phone call on January 20th. I drank too much on that day. And on that particular day, I was blackout drunk. I completely blacked out. I called a woman that I loved, that I cared about, that I was going to marry. And I said some things and I text some things that when I woke up the next day, when I woke up the next day, I was completely completely blindsided by myself. I was sabotaged by myself. And I've talked about that in a previous episode about what I've actually said on that particular phone call and what happened as a result of that. And what I learned is this is not the person that I want to be. Alcohol has been an issue in my family. It was an issue with my father. My father died at a younger age and he died of Parkinson's uh, and my father was also a very, very heavy drinker. It's one of the reasons why he left my family. Uh, and in some ways, it was probably a good thing he did. His father, his father had also left his family generationally. And his father's father had left his family. The O'Neill side, my last name is O'Neill, and I've shared this before. I don't know any O'Neills. All my aunts, and I believe that I had five. I remember like my Aunt Mary. Uh, I remember my cookie grandma. When my dad left... They disconnected from my mom's side of the family. So as a kid, I never saw those aunts again. I never saw my grandma again. My grandfather had already died uh, from cirrhosis of the liver. And so I had to take a look in my own life and say, is alcohol becoming an issue? Is alcohol becoming a problem? As a result of that, in this can, can, phone I, can I ask you right there? Yeah. From the outside looking in, almost everyone deemed you very successful yeah you were a professional broadcaster uh, a widely respected huge audience uh you're always very fit um so if you looked at you know if you walked in the room people would always go hey what's up with the gun show like so people looked at you as a fit guy as a successful guy um i don't recall anybody you know having a negative word to say sometimes be like, oh you guys are you know abrasive sometimes it's like yeah that's just part of the job and that went for both of us but did you see yourself as that i did 
Yeah, I saw myself as successful. I saw myself as a damn. So good why podcaster. why change? Because I, I you and I had gone out drinking before, and we had fun times. Yeah, quote unquote fun times. Yeah, because because when I was initially drinking, I was having fun times, and I think it's one thing to go out and to drink when you're having fun times. It's another thing to drink when you're not having fun times. And what was beginning to happen is I was drinking when things began to get hard for me. Mm. Because as a single dad, things are hard, man. Things are hard sometimes as a single dad. And when they would get hard, what I would do is I'd put my son to bed. And then I would go begin to drink by myself. And I would begin to go and drink alone. I never drank at work. I didn't drink in the morning. I didn't have the, 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 I wouldn't sit there at lunch and go, oh my God, I have to have an alcoholic beverage. So it wasn't, it wasn't my addiction to out. And this is what I had to learn because I went to AA, for instance, I went to seven AA meetings and I just went, this is not me. This is not me. It helps a lot of people, but it, it helps so many people. Uh, I read the blue book, uh, the AA book. And when I got done reading that, I, I went, wow, you know what? These 12 steps are powerful. I should walk through these 12 steps. And I called my friend Josh and I said, would you walk through these 12 steps with me? And I did that. Part of those steps is making amends with yourself and making amends with other people and admitting to someone what your life has been like. And, and so that's what I did with Josh. And in fact, in the other room, there's two chairs where we sat and we would meet night after night and we would, we would talk about these things. And what I began to notice is that when I stopped drinking, and I stopped putting those toxins, because that's what alcohol is. It's just toxins. You're putting toxins in your body. When I stopped drinking, you may think I look fit, but I can go back and I can look at pictures. And in fact, I can show you my driver's license. And if you compare my driver's license uh, from five years ago or six years ago or seven years ago to the way that I look today, it's very different. The color in my eyes is much clearer. You're, what happens when you drink is your skin gets very, very dehydrated. And so you're, you're, you, you have this look of dehydration. It also actually starts shrinking your brain. And we have to remember that the neurons in your brain that fire together, wire together. And that as you drink and you put in toxins and chemicals over time, it actually changes. It changes the shape of your brain and it changes the way that you think. So if you ever study something called neuroplasticity... Uh, you can learn more about that. So did you just turn it off then on January 20th? It's just like a big red switch that you go, it was on and now it's off. I did. And, and, and <laughs> what, that had to be hard. I, well, what I would tell people is then that becomes more dangerous. That becomes more dangerous because if alcohol was your coping mechanism, and in fact, a study just came out today, uh, the state of Washington is warning that in the next two to five months, that there will be over 3 million people in the state of Washington that will be dealing with things like anxiety and depression as a result of what's happened with COVID, as a result of what's happened with the economy, as a result of what's happened with losing their jobs, as a result of what's happened with the elections. Over 3 million people just in our state. Statistically, what we know is half, so 1.5 million people will be on the road will be on the road to embracing some kind of addiction as a result of that. And usually that addiction is tied to substance. That's why what we've seen in alcohol sales during COVID have skyrocketed and it's gone through the roof. And it was funny early on when we saw people drinking wine in the morning with their pajamas on, but it's not funny anymore when you're 10, 11, 12 months into this. 
It's not funny. And so for me, when I stopped drinking, when I stopped going to Seattle Seahawks football games, because that's where I do all my drinking, when I stopped going to Husky games, when I went down to my basement, which I said is an ADU, it used to not be an ADU, on Super Bowl Sunday three years ago, I went down there by myself. I dismantled everything in that basement apartment. You remember everything was painted Seahawk colors. I had Seahawk helmets in there. I had all kinds of stuff. And I took all that stuff and I shared this before and I bagged it. I took it to Fred Meyer right across the way here, right across the Ballard Bridge. And it was a rainy day just like yesterday. And there was a gentleman sitting out at the Fred Meyer and he's out at the Goodwill truck. And I gave him some things from the basement for my uh, man cave uh, to just give away to someone because I didn't want them anymore. And then I gave him this big bag of Seahawk gear. And I said, do you have any grandkids? He was an older African-American gentleman just sitting there in a chair. And he said, I do. And I said, I think your, your grandkids might love this. So, and he could not believe I was giving away like a Richard Sherman helmet. Like what, what the hell were you thinking? But when I made that decision, it wasn't a dimmer switch. It was a light switch for me. It was a light switch. Then what happened is I had all these reasons that I was drinking. And what I didn't have is I didn't have the numbing agent and I didn't have the coping skills to deal with the fact that now you're sitting here on a Friday night, your son's in bed. And now what you have to do is look in the mirror and deal with you without bloodshot eyes without a hangover in the morning, with real clarity, because as the weeks go on, you get something called the white light of sobriety, where things get very, very sharp. They get very, very clear. And if you remember back three years ago, that's when I began to write. That's when I began to write to my son, and I wrote a book. It's called Dear Gunner. All the stories, and I wrote him a story this morning, over 100 stories about what this journey has been like. Because if my great-grandfather dealt with alcohol or didn't deal with it, and my grandfather on my dad's side, and my father, and if I have battled that and other people in my family have battled that, chances are there might be some wiring for him in there too. And I want him, when he's older, to not be scared, but I want him to know the stories. And in case I'm not around to tell him the stories, and he's too young to hear those stories now, I want him to know the stories of the hell that I put myself through uh, and what alcohol did in my life. And I will say, I will say, the important thing, you guys, is when you take away that medicine, that numbing agent, whatever it is, and in my case, it was alcohol. When you take that away, you have to be able to be prepared now to deal with the emotions as life is going to come at you. And it doesn't get easier because you quit. It initially gets harder. It is so much damn harder. It is hard because now you have to deal with yourself and your past and your shame. You have to deal with that every single day day is it uh acceptable to wish you a happy three-year anniversary is that a thing let's do this let's talk about let's talk about some of the great things some of the great things that i've learned uh, on the other side of this if you have a friend that is ready to start their real estate journey send them to ron and 
All right, guys, welcome back to episode 211. Uh, it's uh, January 20th when the show drops. We're talking about Inauguration Day and also the fact that three years ago I had made a phone call uh, and I was engaged with someone. And as a result of that, that person walked away and they should have. But it was so helpful to me and I'm so grateful to her that I have the courage to walk away because it gave me the opportunity to look at myself. January 20th, three years ago, I made the decision to go alcohol-free. Also made the decision to exercise differently. Instead of exercising in front of a mirror in a gym with big weights, I'd go outside uh, and I would pound away. Uh, and you t- did hire a guy to run with a mirror, next <laughs> to you, which is, I found odd. But like yeah. Don has a, a yeah. guy and yeah. he just carries a mirror with yeah. him on I, the trail. I went mo- mostly plant-based, which I still am. And I really started focusing and leaning in with my counselor, uh, with my therapist. Because I'd been doing therapy up to that point for about six months, but still drinking. And when I walked in and I said, hey, I'm done drinking, she said, whoa, 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 let's do this. That's a lot to bite off. How about we do this? We bite it off for a six-month period. You stop drinking for six months, and in six months, we decide. Is my life better, worse, or was it somehow the same? And the answer came back that my life was so much better. And so I've continued uh, on that road. I changed some of the people that I hung out with. Not a lot, because a lot of my friends are like Ron. I have very deep-seated friends. And our relationships were not based on drinking. Our relationships were based on love and friendship. And so I've been very lucky. But for a lot of people, you may have to change your course. Uh, The Nickerson Saloon, I used to always hang out there. Uh, I don't hang out at the Nickerson Saloon anymore. That's why they're tearing it down. I think they're tearing it down now, yeah, as a result of that. You do have to lean into something and get help, whether it's a group online whether it's counseling uh, in a group setting or with someone one-on-one, which I have done, it, it, my, AA might be for you. Can I so. ask you this? In in because you know we're both men of a certain age. There's the whole the old thing, the cliche. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, and it can be women or men. We're in January right now. Everyone's thinking about resetting their life. How how did an old dog learn a new trick? Is it a force of will? Is it a trick that you play in your mind? It's like for, for you, what was the thing that made you different? Because most people fail. The yeah. statistics say that if there's a thousand Don O'Neill's on that exact yeah. same January 20th, that 900 and some odd of them yeah. are not going to be there three years. It's a great point. Now. I have seven friends that went on this journey with me. There's one of them that's still on this journey. Her name's Amy. And uh, shout out to Amy. Congratulations to Amy. And and the rest of the people that went on this journey with me are no longer on, on, on this particular journey. Uh, but I still love them uh, immensely. What's, love, what's the secret or well, your the secret? secret is understanding this. And this is something that one of my great mentors and coaches taught me when it comes to change. Number one, you have to understand that change is hard. It is very, very hard. Change is not easy. And as we get older, it gets really hard. It is hard. It is hard. It is not intuitive to change. It is counterintuitive for us to change. Change is hard. And in fact, with men, we celebrate not changing. We celebrate it, right? Yeah, there's a whole mythology about that. Yeah, we don't change. Everything changes around us, but we don't change. Number two, and this I was not ready for, because there are numerous times where I would go back to drinking and I would try and think I could moderate. And what I found out is, Maybe I can moderate, but it's not worth it. Because now I'm thinking about moderating all the time. I'm thinking about drinking and whether I should drink or not drink, rather than just going, you know what? I had made that decision that for me, being alcohol-free 
was the best decision that I could make. And now I'm stuck in this mind loop of, of moderating my alcohol. And, and, and so what happens with change, it's hard and then it gets very, very messy. It gets messy in there. And I would go back and I would try to date and I would think I was trying to date too early. Uh, and then I would go in and it, then it really challenged me. Like when I really felt stressed out about being a dad, I, I, I couldn't wait for my son to go to bed and have a belt of alcohol. So I had to figure out something else to do that, whether that be exercise, whether that be writing, uh, whether that be calling a friend, calling my counselor, calling you, whatever that is. But change is going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. And then you get to the beautiful part. And then you get to the beautiful part. Because change is beautiful. And I can say this, that after three years of doing this work, that it's not hard anymore. It's not as messy. It's not as messy. But I'm me, so sometimes it's going to be messy. Truth. Facts. <laughs> as, the, as the kids say, facts. Yeah. But, it, but change for me has become beautiful. The anxiety that I felt uh, growing up. The trauma that I never processed in my own childhood, I have now processed that, that I've processed my childhood. I have made amends with over 76 people that I either met with face to face or I wrote letters to. Or and that's calls. just phase one, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the anxiety, and I don't know if you ever feel the anxiety the way that I felt it, but a lot of us, we turn to alcohol or to sugar or to sex or whatever it is because of the anxiety and then we start looping uh we start looping on that anxiety for me the other thing is i feel like i have broken the family cycle for my son and i i sit down i light a family candle every morning uh you and i meet at 7 30 and before we meet i light that candle I light the candle every night before I go to bed. I have to be careful, blow it out so I don't burn my house down. If you ever heard that I burn my house down, Don let his family candle on. So I have exactly. to, maybe I should use a battery candle uh, at night. But I feel like I, I've broken that, that, that family cycle. Uh, also, the time that I have is much more valuable. There's more of it. And as a result of that, I get to do a lot of cool things. I would have never gone to swim with the turtles with my son if I was still drinking. I wouldn't have the courage to get on the plane for six hours and fly to Maui. I would have never stood on the beaches of Normandy with you if I was still drinking because I wouldn't have the courage to face myself and I wouldn't have been able to get on that plane, certainly without drinking all the way there just to deal with the anxiety of being in a plane, which I know sounds silly, but I get great anxiety over that. And as a result of that, as a result of all that, it has just made my relationships with people richer. I feel centered and I feel like I can help others. I feel like there have been people that have placed in my life that have been shoulders for me to stand on. And I feel like I'm in a situation now where I can return that faith. And, and I've noticed that we've had, uh, you know, in these run on sit downs that we do, we used to do one last week. I'm not going to name the person it was, but you're like, that's going to be my most important deal of 2021 to help this person. Yeah. And it's definitely not going to be the biggest deal we do. It'll be the smallest deal, we do. but it'll be the most important one. And so you have a, a, a clarity about that. And you always help people, but 
Congratulations on three years. I've noticed the difference. I know that it's been hard. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of times for both of us in different ways, but it just feels like you're getting, you know, punched in the gut over and over and over again. And it's easy to kind of go, why is this happening to me? Like I'm trying to do good in the world and I just get punched in the gut again. Uh, but uh, good job on, on doing that and, you know, stay in the course. Cause it's it, like you said, it's not easy, but it does get easier over time. Yeah. Anyway, you guys just don't forget if you're, if, if you're in a position in your life and you know, you need to make a change, just prepare yourself and don't go it alone. It's going to be hard messy it's gonna be beautiful he's wrong i'm don you keep your head up and your shoulders back and we'll see you next time only on the ron and don radio hey thanks for listening to the ron and don show now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage Ah! i'm not kidding